Apathy is the first one. Lack of interest, lack of inspiration, being uninspired. These things piss me off in people on the simple understanding that every single human being has the opportunity to be inspired by anything. You can be inspired by just someone else smiling at you, knowing you're having a great day and they smile at you and you've, you've felt some warmth from that situation. In the same way, for me, apathy pisses me off because you wake up in the morning and you have 24 hours. You and I have the very same number of hours that somebody on the street has who's just about surviving and has barely enough food to survive. And every single minute of their day, they're spending trying to find food. And we equally have the same amount of times as somebody who's a billionaire and in that day goes out and makes a million pounds. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life. Practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hi, it's Harms here and I'm with Ro for another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. And today's episode is a special one. We're on our 10th episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. And to thank listeners, we asked you a couple of weeks ago to fire in your questions based on observations, interests or thoughts or emotional triggers that may have occurred whilst listening to the first nine episodes of the Growth Tribes podcast. And thank you, listeners. We've had quite a few questions come in, which is amazing and fantastic. So what we've done is we're going to work through these questions as many as we can in the time that we have for this episode. Now, we've sort of rephrased a couple of them. We've kept the users anonymous and we've selected some because they're also common questions that Ro gets or I get, which means that these questions will help the majority. So apologies in advance if we don't get through your question, but please keep firing them through on the Growth Tribes podcast because if you guys like this kind of style of podcast, we will do more ask us anything, ask us any kind of question kind of podcast. So on that note, Cairo, welcome to today's special episode of the podcast. And are you ready to answer almost a quick fire round of questions, I guess? <laughs> Hi, Harminder. Yeah, thank you for again bringing me on. And it's great to be here. I love this. I think, you know, we discussed this about a month ago. This is a great idea. And as a coach and a mentor over the years, people have often thrown questions at me and I've tried to sort of wing back an answer, whether it's through a text message or through a response on Facebook. But to do it this way is really powerful. As you know, in the Growth Tribes community, we have an open forum because it's a closed community. The questions are very deep and very searching and it gives me a chance to even coach people live there. So this is a chance for me to respond as though someone was asking me a question as a coach. So fire away. I've had a quick look down the questions. It's nice to see them. I think we'll do as many as we can, as you said, but I'm open. I'll come back 
with the occasional rant, I'm sure, at some point during the this <laughs> podcast as well. Absolutely. And if you listen to this and you wasn't sure on how to get your question into the process, it's quite simple. You just head to the new Instagram account, which is at the Growth Tribes Podcast. So just go to Instagram, find at the Growth Tribes Podcast and just direct message us your question. It's as simple as that. No emails, no web forms. Just head to Instagram and send us a message with your question. Or you can just say hi and just tell us how much you love the podcast or what you would like to see more of. So on that note, let me ask the first question. So the first question is coming from one of the listeners and it says, Harmson wrote, after listening to your podcast and looking back on things I have done in the past, I sense a feeling of regret with the amount of time I have wasted. Is this normal or how can I shed this feeling of regret from the past. Now that's the question, Ro. And I have a gut feeling that's actually from episode one, which yeah. is what I wish I knew in my teens, 20s, yes. 30s and beyond. Because that's where we was actually talking to our past selves in that episode, which was a phenomenal experience for those listening yeah. and for us as well. So Ro, with that question, I guess the real thing is regret here. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to reflect this back on you as well. I'd like you to add to it. But first of all, so as I'm listening to this, my gut feeling is the person that asked this question, I'm assuming we don't have a sense of the age of this person, but I can't imagine Imagine it being a teenager generally because they mm. don't necessarily have a sense <laughs> of regret having listening to a podcast about what I wish I'd known in my teens. Probably not somebody in their 20s. Typically, that sense of regret from my own experience as well, I'd be interested to know what you feel because you're now into your 30s, typically kicks in around the 30, 35 mark. It certainly has people late 30s, early 40s, but it seems to creep in around that age group. And if you ask me why I think that is, I think it's because of these different levels of maturity that we go through when we start off and I've talked about this in the past but when we start off we're the adventurer we want to adventure we want to go out and discover the world then we get into the stage where we start to want to achieve things in life and that's usually through the 20s into the 30s and then when we get into the 30s you start to creep into the first entry level of wisdom growing and that's when you start to reflect and often start to have regrets so I suspect this has come from somebody 30, 35, 40 it might be a 50 year old somebody in my age group either way it's not an unusual experience to feel regret and I think I'm going to answer the question a couple of ways. The first thing is, and it might sound a little bit esoteric and a little bit like, yeah, but that's kind of a coachy coachy type answer. The truth is that any sense of regret you've got right now means that you must have gone through in a level of awareness, meaning that something that we've said, something that's come out in that podcast or these podcasts has triggered a sense in you that's feeling that you deserve more, that you want to achieve more, you want to experience more, and you wish you'd experienced it at some point in the past rather than waiting to now achieve or experience it in the future. So the regret is more a measure of what you feel you could have done because now you're starting to see actually from what these guys are talking about, shit, I wish I'd done more. Is that making sense, Harm? But I'm going to kind of check in with you because you're going to have to be my listener, if you like, as I'm speaking. Yeah, that absolutely does make sense. And often the awareness, just like you've said, Ro, triggers when you know that there's a greater opportunity out there or potentially you should have been spending your time wiser. And that's potentially can trigger from listening to podcasts like this, listening to aspirational things, reading aspirational books. Because often, you know, I've read books and I thought, oh my God, I should be doing more. That time I, you know, I, I look back and I think actually there was a bit of regret there because one of the challenges... And I've heard often is, you know, when I ask people and they ask me, have you regretted anything? And I think those people who naturally say, I don't regret anything. I just don't get a sense <laughs> that that's true. I don't know where that's really coming from. Because if you've done things, you've tried things, you've experienced things, then certainly, you know, you're not going to make a perfect decision every time. So naturally, there will be things that you do regret. And I first had this when I changed my career into a building a property portfolio and building a business. I looked at my decade before and I felt like it was a waste of time. So 
So that was my first initial reaction to regret. But now whenever I feel that feeling, it's a natural feeling. So the, the person asked the question, is it normal? And I personally think, yes, it is normal, but it's how you respond to that regret. So now I turn that feeling and I flip it on its head and I say, I use that feeling of regret as motivation and a way to almost give me a kick up the backside to get working on stuff that I know I should be working on. Because I, I say, do I want the next 10 years to be like the last 10 years where I was a bit lazy, for example? So that's the way I sort of approach regret now. Yeah. And I think we'll build on that. But the key thing for everybody listening is that what Harminder's sharing as well is insightful in the sense that if you ever get to a stage in the future, which you will do, every single human being will get to a point where there's maybe something they would like to have done. They might not want to use the word regret, but the reality is I think everybody has. The people that say, I don't have any regrets, I think you get to a stage in life where the wisdom of life kicks in and you say, actually, it's just part of this massive tapestry, this painting, this chapter or, or a book that I'm writing, which is called My Life, however you want to phrase it. And part of that journey has been all these different experiences. And I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not had those experiences. So for that reason, I don't really regret the fact they happened to me. However, if, if you actually zoomed in and homed in on very specific things, I think each of us can honestly say hand on heart, you know, had I done that a different way, I think maybe I'd have been in a different position in that particular area of my life. So yes, 100%, it is definitely a natural reaction for every single human being. And as you said, it's how you then use it. Now you can reframe it, which is an NLP style approach, which means you give it a different meaning. I'll come back to that in a minute. Or as you said, you use it as the fuel in the fire for not wanting to feel that regret in the future. So Harminder in the future has an opportunity ahead of him and he remembers in the past thinking, oh shit, that last time I had a similar opportunity, I didn't do anything about it and I regretted that. Okay, that's my fuel to make sure I actually give this a go. That's what you're referring to, isn't it? You're using it, Absolutely. if you like, as a log to put on the fire to make sure that the past regret becomes the fuel, the logs of coal, the logs of wood or whatever that you're going to use to fuel the fire for success in the future, i.e. not to make that same quote unquote mistake that you regretted in the past. That's what you're referring to. Absolutely. But almost, I like the analogy of a log there because it is a case of putting a log on at a time. Say, so actually, that didn't go quite well. Yeah. Uh, how do I ensure I don't regret doing that again? Because the opposite of that is having a pie of logs and just setting it alight like a bonfire and that's almost like a midlife crisis so you you almost want to avoid the midlife <laughs> crisis stage and setting a light to a massive pile whereas one log you know that's a tiny bit of regret but i think where this question may be coming from as well is okay i've regretted a large part of my life but the danger here is now you're going to set and sometimes maybe it's necessary maybe it is necessary to set a light a large pile of wood an entire tree rather than just one log. Is that fair, Will? Yeah, I think the key thing here is to make it fuel rather than make it the focus of pain. And I'll mm. say that again, make it fuel rather than the focus of pain. And what I mean by that is if you hold on to too much regret, you actually start to go into a victim mode. And that's a whole different experience altogether. It's like having the logs, but they're piss wet through. You know, you've peed all over them. They're soaking wet. They've been out in the rain. And now you try to use them for the fire, but you're doing it from a place of scarcity. You're doing it from a place of pain. You're doing it from a place of, oh, fuck, why was I do this? Why did I do that? Shit, I can't do this again. Maybe I should get on and do it a different way next time. That's very different to, okay, I made this mistake before. I regretted it. And I said to myself, I'm absolutely absolutely not going to do the same thing again. So let me use that as a leverage point to create success as opposed to a leverage point to create failure because I'm focusing as a victim of what was a past set of circumstances. Very, very important distinction there. I'm going to stay on this theme though, because I want to share two personal shares. Okay. So when I was 35 years of age, what happened to me was I sat in a room learning about property and you know, we teach this now, you come and help me on a lot of occasions and we go out and we, we run these amazing property events and we teach people how to become financially free through property. Well, I remember sitting there at 35 and I felt so 
shitty. I was, how come I'm sat here at 35 years of age? I didn't know this stuff before. I could have been doing this five, seven, eight years ago. I could be financially free now. I didn't have to be sitting here now not being financially free. And I went through a short period, and I say short meaning literally about an hour of processing this over a period of the first day, kicking myself a little bit, beating myself up. Oh man, why didn't I know this? And then I quickly dug into what would of course, at that time, been my understanding of the personal development world, which is use it as fuel, use it as fuel, use it as fuel. So I just said, okay, no point in regretting. I need to move forward. So for me, it's a very quick process because what I've learned is, and mainly because of the experiences I have, but the number of people I've coached is that if you wallow in it, if you wallow in regret, you start to become a victim of the very regret that you want to avoid having in the future. So instead of you climbing out of the hole, and building a mountain, you just become piling in the shit. So the regret just becomes all this mud around your ankles. And the more you focus on it, the thicker the mud gets, and then you get locked in it. And you, we meet people like this who literally become victims. Mm. And they're victims of a set of circumstances, of poor decisions they've made, of something that happened to them. You know, it could have been a parent who said something to them in the past, and then they regret not acting and doing something differently. So if you spend too long focusing on the pain of the regret, you ultimately become a victim. And again, I'm checking in with you. Does the logic of that, have you seen that? Have you witnessed it? Have you seen it? Have you experienced it on a personal level? Absolutely, Ro. And then that victim scenario or that level of regret becomes a story associated with that person. So if you was to have an opening conversation with that person, it's almost like that story would come out every time. They would say the exactly. same story to you, the same story yep. to me, the same story to their friend, the same story to the auntie, whoever interacts with them. And it's almost because, oh, yeah, that's OK for you. Or, yeah, I didn't do that because of this. Yeah, but this. And then that story seems to hold them back for years. Then it becomes a decade then becomes two decades and it's still holding on to that same story. Yeah. And actually, if you're listening to this and you know people around you that fall into this, you know, subtly, you might want to recommend they listen to this <laughs> podcast because often you might try and tell people something, but it takes another way of explaining it for people to go, oh my God, that's exactly, I've done that or I'm doing that or I've done that in the past. So for example, when people come along to our total transformation events, I mean, think about an event where there's two, 300 people in a room going through a massive shift. One of the first things I'll have people do at the start of the weekend is to have an opportunity to unload some bullshit, some BS on another person. In other words, they just go blah, 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 for two or three minutes and they just tell them all the baggage, all the stuff, all the victim, all the regrets or whatever it is they have or been carrying around with them for the last six months, 12 months, hour, two hours, two years, whatever. And they go blah. And at the end of that blah, that bullshit share, the other person just simply listens and says, thank you for sharing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the next time you find yourself wallowing in regret, and starting to focus and language that out to another person. Take a mirror out and just say to yourself, thank you for sharing, but then move on beyond that. You've got to move on beyond the past so we can get into the future. I love that. Thank you for answering that first question, Ro. So let's now move on to question number two. And my gut feeling with question number two is it's to do with the money episode. From memory, and I'm just pulling this up now, is episode number three, understanding your money beliefs, management, and how to attract more into your life. So question number two now is focused around episode number three. And the question row is, what do I do if my partner is not responsible with money and I want to make some of the changes you discussed in that episode number three, and that's just me adding some context here, how can I make him follow this system? So I'm going to fire through that again. What do I do if my partner is not responsible with money and I want to make some of the changes you discussed in episode number three, how can I make him 
follow this system? So that's the question, Ro. And I've oh. emphasized the word make there intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put him or her, because obviously this is a, a lady that's yeah. referring to her partner, whether it's a husband or boyfriend, whatever, but it could equally be a her. I don't know if you remember, Harminda, you know, with the Growth Tribes community, we have our live get togethers where part of the membership is they get a chance to come and spend uh, half a day with us. Yes. And one of the subjects I talked about was money, if you remember, at the last growth tribes gathering that we had well there was a lady that stuck her hand up and actually asked this very same question she said i want to make changes but my partner i don't know if he will be open to doing that you know how what can i do to make him do this and i think i want to reverse the question here and first of all say to whoever's asked the question but for everybody that's listening and i know this from personal experience that you physically cannot make anybody change their values their beliefs or their outlook on life. Now you can challenge me on that and say, oh, that's not true. You know, I helped my friend stop smoking or I helped my friend the other day stop being negative. Yes, you can certainly help them change their momentary state of mind and you can certainly get them to reflect on the world in a different way. But ultimately, they are the person that makes the change, not you. And I think that's really important. And I say that for another reason, because I just recently was approached by somebody to help them deal with a situation of jealousy and anger. And they said, Ro, would you be able to do some NLP hypnosis style work with me please I'm open to you doing whatever you need to do and I said okay I'm going to start by asking you a set of questions and I'm going to get you to reflect on the past month of whenever you felt jealousy or anger or frustration I'd like you to start to capture on paper what you were feeling and what was the trigger for that and I think from that to start with loads of insights will come from it and the reason I'm doing that is because I don't want to be the person that fixes you I don't want to be the person that gives you the solution I don't want to make you change because if I make you change you're gonna to have to keep coming back to me for the solution but if I can give you some tools to help you get the insights that will ultimately give you the opportunity to take responsibility to then deal with your anger and your frustration and your jealousy towards other people. And the response, this on a WhatsApp message, by the way, 11 minute WhatsApp message, the response that came back was amazing. Voice was higher, energy was, it was like, oh my God, I'm inspired just by the questions you've asked me. So even without me saying a word, hopefully the answer is coming out in the way I'm sharing this, which is we can't make other people become responsible for the way they deal with money. But what we can do is we can start to give them insights. We can start to give them a different view. We can start to share with them some of the the learnings that we've got and possibly some of the, the ris potential risks for the ultimate consequences of us not learning to manage our money properly. So by doing that, what we're saying to somebody is, look, honey, I love you very much. I've been learning these amazing tools about money management. In fact, I've just been listening to this great podcast with this young guy and this older guy, and they've just been sharing some really interesting insights. And I realized I've been actually doing certain things the wrong way. I just wanted to share with you what I've been learning and what I think I've done wrong. Now, if I came to you, Harminder, and you were my partner, and I said that to you, what would be your natural reaction? Because I haven't prompted this in this question. I'm just literally saying to you how I would deal with it. What would be your natural reaction if I'd sat down with you and used that approach? And let's say you weren't particularly open to start with. What would be your natural reaction for me coming to you with that approach? Well, actually, I like that approach, Ro, because my natural reaction would be you've kept the emphasis on yourself. In yeah. that scenario, you said you feel like you've been doing some things which may not have been right or you may want to improve it. So what you're not doing, which would probably get my back up and get me defensive, is saying, oh, my God, you've done this, Harms, you've done this. The way you've been managing this money has been wrong. Dr. Rowe said this is the best way to do it and you've been doing the opposite. So I'm getting, who's this Dr. Rowe guy? Don't ever mention his name around me again. And I'll be getting pissed off naturally. So I think by approaching it in a sensitive, like a diffusing the situation before the situation even arises is a gentle 
better way to approach it because the topic of money is a sensitive topic oh, and we speak gosh. about that in that podcast and that episode it's Mass. so deep in, ingrained in us and it can really trigger people in different ways and even within a relationship which this question is orientated around often at the start of the relationship you won't necessarily feel money won't be a large part of the conversation but sometimes it gets triggered five years later, 10 years later, when the relationship has money challenges. So I think if you can have these conversations earlier in a sensible way, like Ro has just started the conversation, I think I would not have my backup. I would be yeah. open to listening to what you had to say next. And also, I think we have to remember is that what we don't know anything about the partner. So we know it's a him. But what we don't know is how old he is. We don't know what his past experiences are, the beliefs. I mean, this is a good opportunity to listen to the podcast again, ideally with your partner if he's open to doing it. I mean, if this is a life partner, i.e. you know, a permanent partner, an engaged partner, or a husband or a wife, who you know, in this case is a husband, and this is a long-term relationship, without a shadow of a doubt, if in this case, the wife is genuinely wanting to make changes and she's realized that there's things she wants to do to improve and he's not prepared to do that. Then we may have challenges in the relationship because fundamentally, if two people aren't growing together, if two people aren't aligning their values, if two people aren't evolving and understanding each other's beliefs and being sympathetic to that, but also being empathetic, but also wanting to grow with the other person, then there's a deeper issue here because yes, she might manage to force him, persuade him, whatever, to at least adopt the new money management system that she wants to use. She might even get him onto the growth tribes. And if they haven't tried that, this is another great place to go, by the way, for the lady that's listening to this. If you go to the growth tribes community, www.growthtribes.com. And if you go onto there and take advantage of, we've got a really crazy offer on at the moment, certainly when we're recording this, like a pound, is it harmed? I think from memory. Yes, a pound special uh, offer for new So for new pound, a pound for like a month. Go and take your husband onto there if you can, or if it's your boyfriend and see if you can listen to two series on there. One is the money series, mastering money. And the other one is the relationship relationship series because there may be something deeper going on here and it might be that you need to work on something within the relationship because if he's unhappy what we don't know is he might be open to making changes but because there's a conflict between the two of you he might be deliberately doing whatever he can do that's the opposite to what you're doing so even though he might actually realize shit i do need to work on my money and i want to sort my finances out not just mine but us as a couple and i want us to get have more wealth and i want to be more successful but because i'm so pissed off in this relationship i'm just going to do exactly the opposite to whatever you're trying to get me to do. No amount of trying to make him do anything is going to work. So I would strongly recommend take advantage of that month to start with and stay with us if you, in the community if you want to on the, on the monthly subscription but use that month to at least go and listen to the relationship series because it might be that you listen to something in there and you realize ah there's an issue here we need to work on first before I can even help him deal with the money now I know I've gone a bit off tangent harms but is this making sense because I'm checking in with you because you've been in a, an amazing relationship for a while but I know that you've had to go through this evolution yourself over certain subjects and it might be the other way around where Gina's been frustrated with you and you've had to come back to the table and been open to this would you agree that this could be more than just money from my explanation here and i would say yes i mean typically when we're working with people it always is deeper than money almost always and what i thought was quite refreshing is the recent growth tribes meetup that whole experience you just explained to the listeners there was many couples who are growth tribes members brought yes. their partners to a personal development experience for the first time ever i know and they basically listened to the advice here and they basically said to their partner look listen to the podcast come to the meetup just experience this from a third party from somebody like dr rose somebody like harms you know they've got no involvement in our relationship so there's no biases here they just want the best outcome and they're going to give some information based on different scenarios and it's up to you if you want to implement it so you spoke about my relationship Roe, and in the past that's the same process we followed we're not the same people but what we did is we attended the same transformational events together 
We read the same books, listened to the same podcasts in the car. So all the information that was valuable, like the money mastery system and things that are occurring in growth tribes or things that are we are listening to in the podcast here, we would listen to together. So your past events, you know, Turning Point, Communicating with Impact, me and my lovely wife, Gina, we would attend those events together. Whether or not, you know, and often it's, you know, it wasn't convenient for one of us because of time. It wasn't convenient for one of us because of work. It wasn't convenient for one of us because of whatever was happening in our life. We made time to grow together. And I think if you're listening to this and your partner's not listening, just get them to maybe just get them to buy in to the fact that you want to grow with them together. I think that's a say romantic thing in a, in a quite a strange way, an unconventional romantic thing. You know, rather than give them, you know, take them out to the cinema, come take them to a transformational event. It's quite quirky. It's, it's different. But when you leave that event, you're both going to be on the same page and then you can instead of one person asking us this question you both can ask us this question as a couple i think I that's, did, that's i did extension. exactly the same thing 17 years ago with my partner my fiance and she at the time hadn't been to any personal development events at all it was a tony robbins event and it was a birthday present i said you know honey we'll go to the event if you don't like it within half an hour to an hour we'll leave this has been my world for so many years and, and she hadn't been into that space so we walked in and we just sat down and one thing i've learned over the years is don't say anything about the event don't tell them anything just ask them to have their own experience don't tell them what to listen to to watch out for because the minute you do that you're giving them your own set of values and rules around the experience of it and she was hooked within 20 minutes she was totally hooked and she stayed for the whole experience it was amazing but i learned not to force that upon her and i think that's the key thing if we bring it back to the money question because this is all linked to money ultimately what i would say to this lovely lady is for now just adopt everything that you've been learning from us. You know, go and listen to the Money Mastery series and start to implement it yourself. And if you've got a joint account with your partner and he's really not prepared to do some of the things you need to do, you may need to start seriously considering starting to manage the financial side of what you can take control of for now yourself. And it might be you have to come back and check in with us. I mean, if you come and join us on the Growth Tribes community, I can certainly offer a little bit of coaching. If you put yourself forward to this, I can do some coaching live with you there if that helps. But for now, I think just carry on working on yourself and your own system and see if he'll come on board, start to introduce him to the concept of some of these tools. And I think more than anything, start to align your values. But that's a whole different conversation altogether, because until your values are aligned, you can find it really hard to encourage him to do anything like this, because he just won't be in the same space as you. I think that's probably, and I don't want to be negative, but I want you to be realistic in the sense that we've got to get him on board to the opportunity to change first before we start to quote unquote, make him do anything else. Absolutely, Ro. So thanks for answering that question. I hope that's been useful to the listener and the wider audience as well, because many of these questions have been chosen because they apply to more than just the individual. But like Ro shared with you and I've just shared with you, we've pretty much been through a similar scenario, if not exactly, but something similar. So Ro, are we okay to move on to the next question? Yeah, please do. Awesome, Ro. I'm conscious that we've almost done a mini podcast episode of the first two questions already. So we're going to have to speed them up slightly for this next set of questions. So this question that's coming from a listener is, and I think this is from episode number two, why do you need mentors and coaches now more than ever? So the okay. question is, I have looked at coaching and mentoring before, but decided to save my money. I was unsure whether I would get the results and whether it would be a waste of my money. What is your view on that? And has that ever happened to you? So that's the question that's coming from the listeners. That's a cracking question. Mm. Okay, I'm going to come back to you in a minute on this one because I want to have a kind of an older voice and a younger voice response to this. I think it's very important. Ultimately, and I think we do talk a lot about this through all of the podcasts and certainly within the Growth Tribes community, I personally 
don't know anybody. And I know a lot of very successful people, millionaires, multimillionaires, financially free people. I don't know anyone who has not achieved any level of success in what they're doing without some form of a coach or mentor, period. I mean, I was just recently watching a series inside the mind of Bill Gates. I think amazing. Yeah, I think I mentioned it to you and we were both like discussing it, weren't we? Yeah. And there's an amazing scene there. I can't remember if we talk about this in the podcast or not, but there's an amazing scene where he is sat in a cafe. In fact, there's several scenes where he is sat in a cafe with his mentor and his mentor is Warren Buffett. He's obviously a lot older than him. So here you've got two billion. I mean, when you're a billionaire, who do you hang out with? You can't really hang out with a a simple millionaire. You've got to hang out (laughs) with somebody that will stretch you to a completely different level. I've been privileged to share the stage with people like Richard Branson on a couple of occasions, actually. And last time I think I shared the stage was when I was down in South Africa and I did a section on property and he literally came up behind me and did a section on business. And he strongly, vehemently advocated the use of mentors, both within business on a personal level. And he actually said, no matter what I do, I'm looking out to go into a new business or expand into a new opportunity. I will look out who's the best out there, who I think I can get guidance from. And I'm not just looking for people that have succeeded, but I also want to look at people that have had challenges and how they overcame those challenges. Anthony Robbins, arguably one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the world for the last 30 years in terms of what he does. And he's constantly talked about the need for modeling. Modeling is basically modeling those people that have done something that is above and beyond where you are right now and that what you want to achieve. So yes, one could argue you could save money in the short term by not paying a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand or more, which is what people have paid me for short term mentoring. And yes, you might argue that's a lot of money. But when I sat down with somebody and helped them save years of time, i.e. literally shaved years of their working career. I mean, the same thing happened to you to some extent. I mean, you're, how old are you now? 30, 30, you're 30, aren't 30, you? 30, yes. So you're 30, right? You were financially free at what age? Just remind me. 27, that would be the age. So 27, right? So in view of the fact that a 27-year-old nowadays would likely work till 67 in the United Kingdom, you've effectively shaved 40 years of your life. Now, if you've saved 40 years of working, monetary, let's say you put a 50,000 a year salary against that. That is, what's that, four five? That's 2 million, if I've got my maths right. You save yourself 2 million in terms of salaried time. Have I got my head around that right? I think I have. So you've basically bought, you can get your calculator out while I'm speaking. So <laughs> you've done 50 times have- 40 years. 50,000 times 40 years of time you've won back. What's that coming yeah, to? Yeah, 2 million spot on. So, two, yeah. so effectively, the time you spent, not just with me, but with the other mentors that you had when you came through your property training, yes, you invested, what, 20, 25K, but that has won you back two million pounds worth of time in a salary job. Now, it's a hell of a lot more than that when you look at what you earn as a property investor and what you're going to continue to earn in the future. The challenge, I think, for most people, and I get this now as a 53-year-old, but when I was younger, even I remember thinking, mm, do I really want to pay a coach 150, 200, 300 pounds an hour? Do I want to pay a mentor several thousand pounds? I could keep that money in my bank account and try and do it myself. But what I discovered was 6, 12, 18, 24 months later, I hadn't got anywhere with certain businesses that I tried. And this is my 20s. I was trying to do it on my own. One of the reasons I got into network marketing, to be fair, network marketing didn't really work as a model for me personally because I wasn't cut out for that particular business model. But what I took from it was the line of mentoring and coaching that I got from the people that were above me in that particular business. And and what I took most from it was actually personal development and communication skills that I developed. And then I took that into my expansion of my own business. And then I got mentors and coaches to help me do that. Now, you're 27 when you financially free. I think I met you when you were about 25. What's your view of millennials today? 
when it comes to coaching and mentoring? Because it, it might be different to the one I had when I was back at that age. I think, well, there's still a semi-resistance to working with a coach and a mentor because of the amount of information available online that is that is accessible you know you can find so much information online that sort of answers your question you can type anything into google and pretty much find an answer or a very low priced informational product that's out there that's available i totally agree the cost of this sort of content you're right is, is very cheap it's very cheap so it's very cheap very available now the challenge with that is that's the knowledge part of the element and it's i think generic. the challenge is generic. generic it doesn't apply to a specific scenario it doesn't also it does not apply to you so what's the magical thing a coach and mentor does is if you've ever worked with one the first thing they do is they're asking questions about you what's your scenario what do you want to achieve what's the current strengths that you have what's the weaknesses that you have what's the opportunities that you can access because not everything is accessible to everybody depending on what situation you're in so for example what is your capital starting position depending on that will depend on what kind of property strategy you start and that's a property specific one now you could be in business so now you need to work with a coach and mentor who's business specific and if you're still debating whether to have a coach and mentor i highly recommend listening to episode number two just re-listen to that because we do address a lot of these challenges but well to answer your question i think that the resistance is because people feel that the generic knowledge which is out there via low priced low value courses and informational products that's fantastic but what it doesn't do is it doesn't add the experiential part to the scenario so now somebody who's 22 25 years old we've got a choice as a millennial we can either walk the path and experience everything ourselves, which is what i think some people are inclined to do bizarre point of view from my point of view or they can take the other path and say who has experienced this and has the knowledge which is what we talk about in the episode. And can they save me decades worth of time rather than me and my ego going and attempting to do what I want to do? And maybe it takes me 20 years when it should have taken me two. And that's right. how much you can shrink something by working with, by getting the information plus the experience. And then the final part is accountability. So, and accountability is paired with action. So what I would say to millennial, and I've been there, that's why I can I can talk about that in, in the sense that when I was reading books on business and real estate and property, it was great. Perfect. I'm reading all these books, but there was no actual action off the back of it because I wasn't taking advice from somebody who's experienced it, walk the walk. And I think that's the missing element. When you work with a mentor, especially, they will bring the experiential part to the game. And when you work with a coach, they're going to guide you on the path that's right for you. And I think that's if millennials can approach that, that's important. And if you take business and property aside, row in your career, what the millennials have within our career is something that your generation never had, which is multiple careers. So one of the things what I was told when I was younger, which I remember from my early teens, is you're going to have a job for life. The moment I got 22, 23, I realized, actually, I'm probably going to have four or five different careers in my lifetime. So to transition from career one to two, you know, the coach can help guide you there. From two to three, a career transition coach can help guide you there because there's going to be lots of stuff happening during that transition period. And you may be transitioning from one speciality with the whole artificial intelligence, the old technology coming into play to a completely different industry. You know, for example, I went 10 years as a railway engineer to now starting a different career as a business owner and a property entrepreneur. So that's, you need a coach to transition from that. So for millennials, I think the quicker we can get comfortable with working with coaches and mentors, the better and the quicker our transition will be 
when change comes and it's going to come. We have no choice but to see Without that. Without a doubt. I've written three things down, actually, as you're talking now. I've just got a, a notepad here. Can you make a note, Hamid? I think we should do a podcast on career transition. Within the Grow Tribes community in the vault there, we actually have an amazing series where I do an interview, a five-step process with one of the UK's leading career transition coaches. You've literally just sprung a thought into my mind, which I think would be a good actual podcast for us to do. And she goes through step by step, firstly, how she did it, but then how she coach some very, very, very high level people out of their careers who were stuck because of their attachment to that career. So that's go and have a look for those of you that haven't been into the community yet and haven't into the vault. Go and have a look at that because that's a great series. That's the first thing I wanted to cover very quickly. Uh, two other things. I've just drawn a little diagram out to try and simplify it because you've just touched on a very important thing and that is that there's a lot of free content out there. So for millennials, these days we're so used to, and not just millennials, but people of all generations now, there's so much free content. This is a free podcast today and there's a lot of value in it. And people often mistake that for coaching, that it is different. Think of it as a three-step process. I'm going to just capture this in my head and just try and illustrate it as a diagram in your mind. Step one is inspiration. What free content gives you is inspiration and insight. It gives you oh my gosh, an aha. So for a lot of the time, we can become addicted to a lot of free content because every time we listen to something free, it's new, it's fresh, it's exciting. We get inspired, we get insight, but it doesn't get the results you're looking for. So what happens then is you move to the next level of learning, which is usually some sort of paid process, like a subscription, Grow Tribes being a classic example of that, or you buy some online products that they're, they're lower cost. You might go to a seminar, it's lower cost, could cost you two, three, four, five. Total transformation, for example, people come along to that, they pay their money to be there. It's an incredible event. And they get from that clarity and focus. So what you get from the next level outside the free content is clarity and focus. You start to understand a subject deeper. You start to get a sense of focus, but you're not necessarily getting the results yet. You're starting to implement it, but you're not quite there yet. Then you get to the third and the top level, which is coaching and mentoring. And what that gives you is acceleration and results because now you're working with somebody that takes the inspiration and takes the insight, takes the clarity and the focus, and now works out a bespoke rational structured plan with accountability to get you to exactly where you want to get to at a specific time. And for that, and because it's one-to-one, -one, you're going to pay more for it but then that means you're going to get bigger results from it. That's my simple formula. I'm just recapping what you just said there. I don't know if that makes sense, but that to me is really clear. I love that, Ro, and that does make sense because it puts a, a simple three-step process for somebody. And why the free content is important is because what's inspiring to me and what's insightful to me is going to be different to what's inspiring to you. So you would then focus on maybe a different kind of wealth vehicle for yourself and then go down that path. Absolutely fine. And I think that's massively important, which is why the free content is out there. But like Ro said, don't necessarily spend, you know, an entire 12 months on free content without specializing. And as part of that specialized process is getting in front of a coach and a mentor to get you exactly that acceleration and results. Because Ro, if I was to share my personal opinion, if I was to build a property portfolio without the coaches and mentors that I've worked with, it would have probably taken decades, decades yeah. to get the results that we've got. And then we've got the results, then that sort of gets systemized and then we can go move on to different things in life and then transition into something different without spending the next 40, 50 years doing the same thing. And I think that's where coach and mentor has been tremendous for us. An example is that it took us about a year and a half to get to a point where we found certain organizations that would give us guaranteed rents on properties for up to seven years. And I remember going through a process with you and my business partner and telling you, what we did and you went and managed to do the same thing in a matter of about three or four months do you remember that that was fantastic yes so that's a classic example of accelerated results as a result of leveraging off somebody else's direct knowledge and experience in the market so coaches and mentors 100 look at the value not look at the cost that would be my ending sentence to that. 
Awesome, Ro. So this question has to be quick. Otherwise, we're not going to get all of the answers in. So, <laughs> so Sorry. Ro, this has come to you specifically. And it says, Dr. Ro, what things piss you off? When do you get most wound up or annoyed with people? So what things piss you off? When do you most get wound up or annoyed with people? All right. So obviously, this is going to be me answering this one, not you. So, OK, so I'm going to keep it really simple. I'll put it into words. Apathy. Apathy is the first one. Lack of interest, lack of inspiration, being uninspired. These things piss me off in people on the simple understanding that every single human being has the opportunity to be inspired by anything. You can be inspired by just someone else smiling at you, knowing you're having a great day and they smile at you and you've you felt some warmth from that situation. In the same way, for me, apathy pisses me off because you wake up in the morning and you have 24 hours. You and I have the very same number of hours that somebody on the street has who's just about surviving and has barely enough food to survive. And every single minute of their day, they're spending trying to find food. And we equally have the same amount of times as somebody who's a billionaire and in that day goes out and makes a million pounds. So you can attach it to money. You can attach it to inspiration. We have the same 24 hours that some person can go out there and touch another person's life. They can feed them. They can help them. They can guide them. They can care for them. They can look after them. They can nurture them because they're dying. They're ill. They're a loved one. In the same way that somebody else there could be sat in front of a TV and knowing that a member of family is not well, knowing that a member of their family is ill or who they need help, or possibly they're an elderly member of the family that can't get down to the shops and just needs some support. And that person sat at home watching the frigging TV because they're apathetic. That's what pisses me off. It pisses me off when people have an opportunity in their lives to do something. It doesn't have to be massive. It's not even about achievement, but it's about being able to give beyond themselves or to do something to inspire their own lives. Pick up a book, read a book, switch off the TV, switch off the internet, switch off the game that you're playing on the computer, on the iPad, or sitting talking about shit to somebody else when you could be doing something else. So apathy pisses me off. You're probably getting a rant coming on here. <laughs> it started. You know, talking about other people for no reason than just to talk about other people. And look, we all can get caught into that occasion if we're fed up or annoyed about something. But to waller in it, to persistently talk about it, to make it the subject of every single conversation and to make it the focus of that conversation, that's what pisses me off. Because in that same 15 to 20 minutes that you had moaning and complaining about that person, unless it had at the end of that conversation, some form of solution, some sort of way to change your way of thinking or to help that person or to disassociate with that person. And why have that conversation? Because as I said recently, I think in a live video that I did on Facebook when I was in Denmark, you know, why have that conversation if it's not going to serve you or that person? Because it might be that you're bitching and whinging about that person and they're sat at home having dinner, not even thinking about you and yet you're thinking about them. So I think that's another thing that really pisses me off. And the other thing I find these days that pisses me off is the amount of time people spend just focused on other people's lives on the internet. I see people sat reading online magazines now, like People or whatever it's called, or they go into these Hollywood type movie channels where they're listening and watching the lives of movie stars. This person was on the beach with somebody else. This person was found kissing somebody else. This person was half naked on the beach over here. This person was caught drunk in a nightclub. They're fucking lives. Let them do what they want. Why should you be worried about what Leonardo DiCaprio is doing because of a situation with a, I know, a girlfriend or whatever? You know what? That guy has done amazing stuff for the environment. Why should you be worried about something that Kevin Hart did just recently, where in fact he's done an inspirational video on Netflix where he talks about some of the learnings. That's worth watching. But why go and read about the stuff that he did was slightly negative? He did it. It's his life. If you don't live your life and make your own mistakes and go through your own learnings and go through your own inspiration, all you're ever going to do is live your life through a fucking screen and by looking at the internet. They're the things that piss me off. <laughs> I think that question is well and truly answered. 
So, well, the next question we have, and, and if you're listening at home, I have nothing to add to that. That's that's what I truly answered. So the next question is actually is pointed towards myself. So let's let me just frame this one. So Haminda, I love the podcast you and Dr. Rowe did on anxiety. I wanted to ask you a personal question. I actually get this question a lot. I've just quickly read ahead. When you reached the point when you were ready to leave your job after building your property portfolio, did you get anxious? Had you delayed it? How did you deal with any fears or risks? Hmm, great question. I get to go silent. Good. I've had a <laughs> Okay, so that is a really good question. And I think first thing to put into context is, and again, it's a bit of a coachy uh, introduction, which is you have to put my life into the context of my life at the time. So I had just got engaged to my fiance and my fiance was supportive of everything we was doing. And we had an aligned set of values and beliefs that we wanted to go build a portfolio so we could gain back time. So ultimately one day we could be full-time parents. That was our mission. So that was the context of why I was doing what I was doing at the time. So what we didn't have was children at the time. You know, we didn't have lots of bills and expenses here and there. But what we both did have, keep in context, was well-paid jobs in the sense of if you take what the average salary of the UK is, is about between twenty-five to twenty-nine thousand pounds. So we was earning above the average salary. So that's what I say when I say in terms of a good salary. So that was a context of where we were. Now the question is, was we anxious when leaving that? The answer is yes, of course I was anxious. And heading back to one of the questions that we've already answered, I had to work with a coach, mentor, no names, by the way, it was Dr. Rowe, to help guide <laughs> guide me through that process. Because I could have stepped away from my career about 10 months before I actually did decide to step away from that salary. The big thing I was holding back from and resisting was that ultimately my identity at a certain level was attached to that career. So I was 10 years in that career. I'd worked pretty much a promotion every other year. I was getting promoted. That was going to continue to go up to a certain point. Within every industry, there's a certain step on the ladder that you can get to. So it was a case that if I step out of my career, I'm no longer an engineer. I'm no longer this person. I no longer have a team I'm managing, a team about 30, 35 people I was managing. I no longer have that team. I no longer have the position I held. So all of these things played into my anxiety for stepping out. Plus there was the financial element as well. So, you know, property is a passive income if built the correct way, but it still requires attention. A property still can get voids. If you're running a HMO strategy, you know, you could have a few voids in the house and then that becomes an expense. So one of the things we had to ensure and Ro walked us through it is the property portfolio built in a way that the income is strong. The income won't dip month by month. So you have a level of certainty and security with what kind of income you're getting in. Now that was the logical side of things. And what really helped me make the decision and analyze the risks is, you know, when you, the question here is how do you deal with any fears and risks? It was really thinking about the opposite parallel universe as such. And what I mean by that is I started to get more scared of actually staying in the job than stepping out of it because we've got the you know we've got the security layer of income in place and the challenge I had was if I did not step away I was saying no to opportunity I was saying no to adventure I was saying no to exploration I was saying no to variety I was saying no to leading a no limits life and what I mean by that is leading a life where we have a say in the outcome of it. So what we didn't have to do is wake up every day at nine o'clock, uh, clock in at nine o'clock and clock off at 5 p.m. every single day and do that five days a week for 40, 45 weeks of the year and then ask for, you know, 
two, three weeks of annual leave allowance to my supervisor and say, can I please have some annual leave? So that's the world I was stepping away from into a world where actually we can now do what we want to do. So I was just really reframing it in my mind. And that's something that Ro helped me identify you know if you're earning this much in your job get out there get out into the open wide world with the skills that you now have and go earn double that go earn triple that go make it your mission to be a full-time parent which is what you wanted to do in the first place does that make sense Ro? yeah i mean i think the other thing as well is when i listen to what you're saying what was clear as well that you were logicking a lot although yeah we can use the word anxiety but i actually if you remember i said you're almost trying to rationalize it and rationalize think about it it was like you were logically giving me uh, an argument why this hadn't been done why he hadn't made the decision why he hadn't made the move and the coaching was more me just ripping all of that and out of the way and saying okay well fuck all that stuff let's look at the future how does it look when we painted that picture and the two of you sat in front of me it was complete and your face just lit up i think you you knew it was there but you were still in your engineering head it was almost like you were you were trying to put a project management around the argument <laughs> it felt like that anyway and if i had not had that conversation with Ro, and this links nicely into the mentor and coach topic i would probably have stayed in the job for two three four years longer and if you put that on a timeline linking to question one which is regret me and Ro may not have been sitting here doing this podcast so it's closing the door to one thing doesn't mean there's not an open door elsewhere yeah. and then it's a case of you know if for me it was just okay I feel this is right and Ro's spot on there no decision is entirely logical it doesn't have to make perfect sense to you there's got to be a bit of a balance and we've made that decision we haven't looked back Ro and it's a great question actually can I add to it a personal message a personal share so this person may listen to this I don't know in the future but I have a very close friend of mine who he left his career he was actually in the army and just recently it was last year actually he was saying that he'd seen some of his peers and they'd gone to very very high levels in the army since he'd left the army and he was you know having slight regrets and maybe should he have stayed in there longer he could have been in that position and I said to him but look at the situation you're in you know you don't have to get up and go to work you get to see your kids you get to take them to school you get to spend time with them you get to travel around the world and do experiences with them and you know you've built a property business look at all these other things and I think he was feeling that maybe the property business could have been bigger maybe he could have achieved more and I think it was just that and this can happen to all of us there's a little bit of looking back over the fence and seeing how it looks from the outside and that comes back to the sense of how you measure success do you measure it against labels titles levels of career change how far you got the corporate ladder and i've managed to steer my way through that over the years i've never had any regret but i know occasionally it happens to people and this is where it's really important to not get anxious about it but to decide i mean i remember saying well if you want to go back go back funny thing is the minute I mean, if i said to you right now harms you know what i think you should go back to work on monday what would be your first reaction to that i'll say no way so just about to touch on that because i was about to say if you had said to me or you said to your ex-military friend and said i tell you what go back for a year and then tell me what you feel like at the end of the year. Exactly. If we, if we went back into the workplace, it may have looked great from the outside because you're seeing all your friends. And this, again, we're going back to social media that maybe they're posting. I've just got this promotion, That's just right. having That's this right. dinner or whatever's happening in that circle. Because often people do talk about work on social media as well. It sounds great until you have to go on the conference calls, until you're on call 24 seven, until yeah. you're, you know, you're too busy to have a conversation with your kids in the evening, which is what, you know, we visioned into the future. If I took all these promotions, would I really be there for the children? Mm, possibly not. 
uh, especially if you're in the military, you know, you're away for long periods of time. Mm. There's just no comparison. So I think you're spot on there. Will. The nice thing was, and it fits into everything we said, you know, we talked and, and because I'm older, I'd sort of almost acted as a coach and just a reminder, really. He's a very insightful person. And then he got it. But I think it's just that moment of reflection that happens. But great question. Great answer, by the way. I think that anxiety, you framed it well. I think it was an anxiety, but it wasn't a massive anxiety because I think you placed the logic in front of you and, and you were weighing up the two. I guess ultimately the anxiety comes to that very final point when you actually have to make the decision. <laughs> exactly. And then after that, it's, it's a big relief, if, I, if yeah. I'm being honest. If I put myself back in the picture, it's a big, big relief. And then we had a lot of lions for about four or five months after that, after a decade in the workplace. And then we started to get busy again. So on to the next question. So this is, this is a pair parenting question Ro. So Dr. Ro, you have made it sound lovely to have kids and I, I <laughs> okay so hold on is this referring to the podcast we did on parenting? I believe it's am I ready to be a parent okay so that okay. must be that and, but also so I, I, I made it sound lovely to have kids okay good go keep going keep going with the question. Yeah. and also for those watching if you're interested in parenting Ro often at least once a month is putting out a parenting video onto his Facebook YouTube Instagram so do go check right, that out right. uh, if you're interested in the parenting topics. So Dr. Ro, you made it sound lovely to have kids and I wanted to ask about the challenges you feel you have faced as a parent so it's question mark which elements should we be prepared for and knowing these now you put you off what would put you off knowing what you know now so okay so would it put me off knowing some okay that's a good question yeah, yeah so so just recapping in my mind what we talked about in the series was am I ready to be a parent and and I think the overview I gave was look ultimately yeah I think you said it yeah, people said you know, there's never the right time or you know to be a parent or now there's lots of ways you can look at it it could be always be the right time or it could never be the right time. My view was, and if you remember, I said this, the opportunity to walk, I can still remember saying, you know, walking down the street and your daughter, and this happened to me so many times, has stopped and put it to a flower or smelt it. I mean, my daughter Liv is in that phrase at the moment, or pointing to a butterfly and just watching it or getting it on their finger. And that moment, you know, how do you replace that? You can't replace that. That's just priceless. I was sat watching her the other night. She wasn't very well and she just looked so calm, so peaceful while she was sleeping. They're all the things that are amazing about having kids. And you're never, you know, any parent you talk to they will always talk about those things but are there challenges absolutely are there things that you have to put aside that was the other thing I think we talked about is people say to me I can't have kids because we can't travel and I was explaining if you remember how much traveling we've done in fact I'm recording this actually right now whilst I'm staying in an Airbnb in the middle of Denmark traveling with our kids we've driven across Europe we were in Belgium went to Brussels then we drove up through Germany stopped there then we came up into Denmark we were going to go to Sweden but we decided to stay here now so all those things can be done but it has come with challenges traveling 2,700 kilometers with two children is not a doddle. We could have flown, but we, <laughs> you know, they get irritated. They don't have the same patience that we as adults have. So as much as you want to play spot this and spot that, and you know, what colors this and what colors that out the side of the window, there's a point when they get frigging frustrated and you're going to have to stop. So we plan the journey instead of, I would have just driven it nonstop through the night. I would have probably stopped at a charging point a couple of times in the car, taken a half an hour nap and then carried on and got here and you know, done a, done a Rambo on it all night. Can't do that with kids. So one of the challenges you're going to have as a parent with kids is the minute you have children, and you said it as well, Harms, going to seminars. So earlier on in this podcast, you said myself and Gina, no matter what the circumstances, we found a way. But there were, <laughs> what you didn't mention when you said, if you've got something else going on, find a way to get around it. If you've got a, a social event, you know, cancel the social event, come to a seminar. If you've got a work event, cancel the work event, come to the seminar. If you've got kids, okay, that's not okay. quite as easy. <laughs> so the parents listening to it would have gone, yeah, but Harminda, I've got two kids. It's not quite as simple as you think. Going 
going to a three-day training, how do I find somebody to look after my kids? And then it becomes more challenging. So what we found is our seminar experience of learning definitely changed. When they were really young, my mum would come and she we would bring her to the hotel. So we would literally, she would stay in the hotel with us. We would go down and Stina or I would go up and see if the kids were okay and come back down. And these were like three-day training seminars. I remember going to a Tihar event once and my mum was with us. So I think the challenge is going to become more obvious when it comes to being able to go away and to drop things and quickly go do something you used to be able to do easily and quickly. That's where you find the challenge comes in. Now, I'm going to use the word challenge because it's more challenging in the sense that you've got to manage that now. And what I mean by that is traveling across Europe has been a lot of fun, but we've still had to feed them. So my youngest is like me. She when she, she can go, 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 energy, 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 energy. And suddenly if she gets hungry, bang, she just gets frustrated she starts screaming or crying or getting frustrated and they, you probably don't believe me because you've only seen the beautiful side to her <laughs> whereas my youngest is a slow burn so my eldest is a slow burn she'll burn slowly and even when she's hungry she doesn't make a lot of noise about it she just says i'm hungry daddy whereas my youngest is completely different so my eldest is calmer my youngest is fiery and that happened twice on this trip it happened today actually when we were out so you have to learn to manage those situations and that's when it becomes challenging because even the calmest, most level couple, when you've got two kids that are pushing all the buttons, that's when you go, ah, I just need a moment of silence. And this is where you're thinking, okay, so that podcast, I'm thinking maybe we shouldn't have kids right now. <laughs> but that's part of the decision you have to make as a parent. You know, if you think it's going to be some nirvana, it's not. And I didn't paint that picture. What I said is it's got some beautiful experiences, but you're going to have to accept that with it come some changes as well. So traveling is definitely you have to manage that. If you want to get out for the evening and your kids are really young, we found it actually very difficult. And I don't mind admitting that because as you know, Harminda, and you, you met me after we'd been doing this for a while, but we traveled a lot with Savannah. I mean, a lot. So by traveling to different countries, we never felt that we had people in those countries that we could trust enough to leave her. So we weren't in a position on any of those travels, apart from when we were in Scandinavia, where Stina's mum was, where we could actually go out for an evening on our own. So no point when we're in Australia did we ever have a night out on our own. So we made our nights out with our daughter. We'd go out and have dinner. We'd go out and walk along the beachfront and we she'd be sleeping, you know, in the buggy or in the pram when she was younger. When we went to Barcelona and we lived in Barcelona for 10 months on a beach, we would walk along the beachfront at 9, 10 o'clock at night on the basis that, hey, she's asleep or she may still be awake, but we didn't want to lose that experience. We just didn't have it as an opportunity to have it completely without, you know, with our own time. So for us, we chose to give up the opportunity when we were traveling to have, if you like, date nights. They were date nights with Savannah being pre Is this all making sense? I'm chatting a lot here. I don't know if it's that, does, sense. that does make sense. I think if you, I would say revisit that episode because one of the yeah. things Ro does talk about is the lifestyle. And that's also why I asked Ro the lifestyle question, which is how did your lifestyle change? Because yeah. that is typically the biggest thing that's going to change for you and that lifestyle means you know social events it's your lifestyle at home what's your lifestyle with your work with your job with your businesses everything's going to change of course it is that's a given and, and Ro explains that quite well in the podcast so it's how do you manage that when that time comes and one of the things he points people to is the time management series in the growth tribes vault so you know www.growthtribes.com head over to the vault and then just select that series you know you may just want to explore the time management series because i think that's something you know when we have children i'm going to be revisiting myself because i'm going to have to get more efficient with my time as well and the life balance series as well which is slightly different to the time management series yes it's it is very important series there as well i mean i just add to it as well we've had 
had more arguments as a couple, more high volume discussions as a couple since having the kids than we did before we had the kids. And that's because high, you've high volume not... discussion. That's a that's a <laughs> <laughs> that's another way of saying argument. I'm trying yeah. to make it sound a little bit more constructive. But yeah, we've had more of those because you're now discussing how to deal with two human beings that are evolving, that are growing, that have their own beliefs and values. And, you know, I might react one way and Stina might react another way. And before I know it, the two of us are disagreeing about how we reacted to the children because you've now got, in this, in our case, there's four of us in the family. So that is going to happen. If you can't deal with that, as an adult, then you're probably not ready to be a parent. And I'm not trying to put you off, but what I'm saying is you're going to have to be mature enough. Now, it doesn't mean to say you have to be 50 before you have kids, but at least feel that you're ready to take that on. It's a, it's a chance to grow. Our kids come into our lives. I honestly believe this spiritually and emotionally. Our kids come into our lives to teach us a lesson, a life lesson, personal lessons. We grow through our kids. We grow because they bring something to the table. Their little souls have been brought here and their journey is to pass a message on to us. It gives us a chance to evolve as well. And that's why I say to people, if you're really thinking about having kids it's going to be an, a massive opportunity to really discover more about yourself it is genuinely a beautiful experience and with it comes the opportunity to face challenges and high volume discussions with your <laughs> i love that bro i'll tell you what do we have time for two more questions all right if we keep them quick yeah all right let's keep them quick because the next question actually ties in quite nicely to this So the next question is, Dr. Owen Harms, you are spot on with people having children later. So the same episode, but it looks like that was quite a popular one. So you are spot on with the concept and idea of people having children later and even getting into serious relationships later. So I think they're talking to the millennials at the moment. I am seeing this with my friends who are dating someone new at the age of 30, 31 and even later. So yeah. with this in mind, how do I make sure the person I'm dating wants children and is ready for children since the new relationships are starting later? I think that's a fascinating question. Wow. Okay. So, you know, the simplest way to answer this question is when you go on your first date, you need to have with you a 27 page journal. Now that 27 page journal needs to have every other page blank and every other page written with a specific set of detailed questions. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going with where, that one. Where you ask them questions over dinner and, at the end of the, and if they don't get the right answers, then you quit the relationship at that point. No, joke, jokes aside. <laughs> Best, um, first day ever. Total transformation is what used to be turning point events. People used to bring a partner with them, a new relationship partner with them and say, if we can go through this three-day training, maybe we can find out if we're supposed to be together. And it was fascinating to see the changes that happen in people. On a serious note, I think it's a bloody good question because at 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35 years of age, and I was in that situation. I was 35 when I met my fiance. She was uh, 13 years younger than me. I actually jumped straight in with some pretty deep conversations, as did she, because she's a very emotional, emotionally developed person, much more emotionally developed in our years, physical years. So we got into very deep conversations quickly. I think that's the key point here is if you meet somebody and you feel a strong connection with them, don't be afraid to start having more meaningful, the word is meaningful conversations and start to have conversations around values. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about here, I think this has come up in one of our previous podcasts. You might be able to help me out here, Arminda. It's certainly in the Growth Tribes vault and it's certainly conversations that have happened. For example, when we ran our last Growth Tribes gathering, one of the subjects we talked about was values because people were struggling to choose the order of their values. And the youngest people we had actually in the Growth Tribes gathering was an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, right through to people 50, 60 years of age. And one of the 
things I was explaining was that if you are misaligned with your values in any relationship, if that is wrong to start with, then as the relationship evolves, although you might be attracted to each other physically, sexually, and you know, there's, a, there's a sense of variety, that can very quickly get out of alignment if you're not aligned with the values. So I think what I would say is if you genuinely want to have kids, and I'm going to bring it back to you in a minute, Harms, actually on this one. But if you generally want to have kids and you are at an age where you're 25, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, you're 33 years of age, and you believe that it's one of your higher values, then I would say as quickly as possible, have a values conversation with that person. So in answer to the question, how do I deal with this in an early relationship, then talk to them about their values and you can bring that out through questions ask them what's meaningful to them ask them what's important to them you know how do they see families figuring in the future how do they value family how are their family lives how do they see themselves you know ask the, here's a great question to ask somebody imagine you had kids right now how would you be as a parent how would you see yourself as a parent? Make it a fun conversation, but get to those meaningful conversations early. And if you find the person you're talking to can't even go remotely to that place, quite frankly, you're probably with the wrong person to start with. That may sound like a bold statement and slow me up if you think I'm going off, off track here, Harms. But we're talking about a question where somebody's saying, how the fuck do I cut to the chase quickly? That's ultimately what the question is. That's, That's ultimately what I think you've nailed it there, yeah. So how you cut to the chase quickly is you simply early in those dates, maybe the first, I wouldn't say the first or the second date, maybe you could start to bring it in. By the third date, if you can't be getting to that level of conversation, then I would say, because that's what you want to get to quickly, then you're probably with the wrong person. If you go to the Growth Tribes Vault, and I we keep talking about the Growth Tribes in this section, but I'm just thinking of lots of Growth growth Tribes series that we've got. There's a brilliant series on who am I? And that series essentially helps you look at your values, but it gives you some brilliant questions that you could use when talking to another person. So that might be worth having a look. I think that's how I'm going to answer the question, Harminda. I mean, if you want to add something as a millennial, because you've been in this space, you're kind of there already as a person. Any views you want to add to that from your side? I think you've actually summarized it fantastically. And remember, everybody listening, that these you know, series and things we speak about, I'll link up on the show notes. So growthtribe.com forward slash podcast. I will put it there. So I think the thing that stood out to me, Ro, is have a high value and a high, not a high volume discussion, but a high value discussion with, (laughs) with the, Brilliant. With your partner or your future partner or potential person you're dating is just have that meaningful conversation. I think that's the big thing that stood out for me. And don't be afraid to have that conversation because if they do back away and say, oh, God, this person's a bit forceful, then Rose spot on. It's just not the right person for you. Because if they are not at the age of 30 to 35 starting to get into that mature state to have that conversation, then you're with an immature person. And again, I'm just following on your lead here, Rose, with a bold statement because they've had their 20 years, they've had in their 20s to go explore stuff, do exciting things and maybe another question you can ask them is tell me some cool things you did in your 20s because what you don't necessarily want and again there's no right or wrong here there's just an observation is somebody who's done nothing in their 20s and now they want to explore everything with their partner in their 30s and having children is not a part of that exploration so I think that's something to look for as well because what we often find is people are so obsessed with their careers in their 20s row that right, right, right. they wake one day they wake up when they're 30 and it's they're a millennial 35 thing. it's yeah. a millennial thing and they think oh shit I'm now 15 years into my workplace whereas in the past careers were starting later you was getting those promotions later whereas now people when they're 25 27 because they come to the workplace with such a great skill set they're very savvy they're very switched on they are getting promotions so their identity is attached to their career place next thing you know they're 32 33 34 years old and they're thinking oh boy i've not thought about a partner i've not thought about children i've not thought about where i'd like to live one day with my dream home so all of this gets pushed back slightly now because there's so much emphasis put on the career so there is slightly a millennial thing going on here so i'd say just be conscious of 
somebody who's experienced nothing in their 20s and they now are in their 30s and you know well, children is not a part of that because they haven't traveled they haven't done they haven't yeah. you know, understood well, I'm, who I'm they laughing are as you're, I'm laughing as you're talking because this goes back to the first question which is regret so if imagine you're having dinner with somebody and they spend the first five minutes saying I really regret not doing this in my 20s but you know what I've made a decision I'm going to do this in my <laughs> 30s and 40s I just want to be out there and do all the things I should have done in my 20s and they're regretting it you should be thinking hold on there's an alarm bell here right they're actually going to take action on that but yeah. right now I'm not so sure you know and then you could say to them well, how would you feel about doing that with kids and if you see them go what <laughs> then no uh, it's probably yeah. the wrong person to be with at that moment in time go back oh. and see them in 10 years time absolutely and I think that answers it well and again just we listen to that podcast we, we do answer these questions yeah. uh, in layers but it's a fantastic question I a note here I think you've just hit on something and I think this is going to come out so high volume discussions and high value discussions why don't we make those two chapter headings in the new book that we're writing at the moment on growth tribes what do you think that would be amazing that will become one of our for those of you listening when you do see the book come out look out for this there will be a chapter called high value discussions i think that's a brilliant title to a chapter i love that yep noted that's that's noted okay final question and then i think we'll sign off and again for all the listeners listening thank you for listening and entering these questions and again if you want to know where to place these questions to get them answered in the first time because maybe you thought well you know i was a bit worried i didn't want to submit a question we don't mention names because you know some of these questions can be personal because one thing we do in the growth tribes community and the growth tribes podcast is we have meaningful high value discussions hopefully you know by now this is not a surface discussion so to do that just go to the growth tribes podcast on instagram and you'll find it there and send us a message so finally on to the last question and this ties in nicely with the last episode we did which was how to achieve what you want in 2020 so that was the episode so Ro, the question is okay so i've set my goals but the thing i'm really struggling with and i struggle with it in 2019 is sticking to my goals i've struggled with this and it's almost an ongoing theme that's how they phrase the question to give you some context i am passionate about them because i understand you said you have to feel passionate about your goals in the episode as well so what we know is they're passionate but they're struggling to stick to their goals and they're asking us the question what do i need to do mm, okay so i think the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that is and again if they were online with us now I'd ask them the coaching question and if the person's listening to this and wants to be coached I'm going to keep throwing it out there because this is what we're going to be doing through 220 is get yourself into the tribe and throw the actually put yourself forward to be coached on this particular subject and I'm happy to do it with you live there whilst we're in the tribe the first question I, I would ask that person is and I suspect the answer is no to this and it goes back to the other question you had earlier is did you have an accountability coach and I know this even from my own experience if I don't have people around me that I am accountable to or accountable with as business partners because I have many things going on at the same time as well as being a parent sometimes even for me certain things can slip down you know the pecking order of commitment as well as importance and as urgency so I think the first thing to do is once you set your goal is write down who you're prepared to be accountable to apart from yourself of course to make sure that you're not going to slip on these goals in the future meaning let's say for example Harminder was your coach and you'd engaged him to coach you, you would know that every two weeks you would be calling him up for a half an hour call and that during the previous two weeks you would have achieved X, Y and Z and that when you speak to him in two weeks time, he's going to ask you, well, how did you get on with the three goals you set yourself two weeks ago? Goal number one, how did you get on with that? And then you become accountable to that person, in this case, Harminder. And the coach's responsibility there is, apart from kicking your ass and making sure that you take action, is to also find out several things. Number one, 
one? What was the reason that you didn't achieve the goal if you didn't achieve it? And what can we do moving ahead? And again, I'm asking you these questions because you can actually write this down now. What can you do moving ahead to make sure you don't make the same mistake again and you achieve it the next time around? That would be one of the questions they're going to ask you. Another question they're going to ask you is what resources were you lacking that stopped you achieving this goal? Because that's very important. And number three, one of the questions they're going to ask you is from a time perspective, what time did you dedicate to this and should you be dedicating more time to this in order that you do achieve it moving ahead? Now, Harms, I don't know if you're picking up on this, but I'm kind of answering the question by being a coach at the same time. Do those three things plus the accountability, do you think that helps in this answer here? I think that does answer the question. And if you want an example of what I did in the past, actually, I don't know if you remember, but five, six years ago now, one of the early things you do with people who work with you is you implement a buddy system and an accountability system where you would pair people who are on the same level. So you're pairing people who are working towards a similar goal and their job is, and I've actually, whilst you're doing it in the background, I've pulled up my buddy call log uh, just to check in with some of the questions and you've actually worked through those questions. And we would just, you know, go back and forth with our accountability buddy and log that as well to really see a trend in, trending results. You know, are we working towards results or are we just exerting effort for the sake of exerting effort? Or I'd like to have that. I'd like to have that many properties. I'd like to have that much income. I'd like to have a six pack, but really I'm not spending no time doing it. So that's the goal of the accountability buddy. Now we've created that environment within the growth tribes as well. So one of the things that Very many true. growth tribes members get is yeah. they have an online community. So as well as Roe personally coaching anybody who wants to be coached in there, it's coached as a live experience. So other members can learn from it. Also other community members are go-getters. They're people who are going out there, doing things, getting busy, achieving extraordinary things, you know, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses, property companies, online companies. It's exciting. It's an exciting place. And you've got full-time parents, got tired people who are retired at an early age. It's a fantastic mix of people. And one of the things that people will do for you if you reach out and ask is hold you accountable for your goals and you can publicly declare them that's a great way to get a public declaration of your accountable goals in this safe space but put the goals in front of people who are going to be rooting for you people who are supporting you and almost your online cheerleaders and that's what i like to refer to us as you know we're not going to say that goal's too big that goal is not good enough or i can't believe you didn't achieve that goal last week it's all about being your cheerleader and supporting you in order for you to go achieve those goals yeah that's i like in fact, I'm glad. Thank you for raising that. I thought about the fact we can bring them into that space as well right now. But if anyone, it's a very good point, Harminder. If anybody's listening to this and you are listening to this right at the end of 2019, but it could be that you're listening to it at the end of any year because these are evergreen recordings at the end of the day and you want to get into that fold early, do it quickly. Come and join us in January, February. I mean, certainly January 2020, one of the first calls I'm going to be pitching session I'm going to be doing is, is over money. So we've got a gentleman put his name forward to be coached about money, some blocks he's got with money. But the other thing, of course, is that if somebody comes on and they say, these are my goals, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. What you won't get is people saying, that is bullshit. There's no way you're going to achieve those. But what you might get is someone like myself or Harminder or one of the more senior people within the group saying, looking at those goals on a scale of one to 10, how realistic you think it's going to be to achieve those 18 goals that you've set yourself (laughs) by the end of February. (laughs) At which point it gives you an objective chance to step back and go, actually, that's a good point. Realistically, I might only achieve five of these. So then you start to get 
coaching through the fact that people are feeding back, sharing their own experiences as well. So you'll find that there'll be a natural feedback rather than a critical feedback. Absolutely, Ro. And I think if that's the space you're in, then, then go go grab the opportunity, head over to growthtribes.com and you'll find that information there. There's a chat app on the website as well. So do speak to one of the team to just to make yeah. sure it's right for yourself also. So what I say, Ro, is thank you for answering these questions. One of the great things on the podcast normally is we follow a theme, a trend. So there's an Correct. extra challenge, an extra layer of challenge here where we're, we're going back and forth. But I think everything tied in nicely. Again, massive thank you for submitting your questions. And for those who want to submit in the future, just head over to the Growth Tribes podcast Instagram page, send us a direct message in there, ask us your question in there, and we will log it for the next time we do one of these special episodes. For those who didn't get their question answered, apologies, but keep plugged in, you know, head over to the Growth Tribes, ask us that question personally one-on-one. Often it may be because the question is very personal and you just need a quick fire response from Dr. Rowe or somebody else senior within the Growth Tribes community to get that answered. One other thing, Harminder, we haven't mentioned it and it may come in as a question, but if anybody asks a question about the Growth Tribes gathering, the live get-togethers that we have, if you would like to attend one, we're likely to be having another one early 2020. So feel free to, once you're inside the tribe, ask that question and those dates are going to be issued very soon. And that'd be a great chance to actually meet somebody that's been listening to the podcast as well. I look forward to that as well. Awesome, Ro. Any final words? No, just have an amazing 2020. Or if you listen to this and it's 2021, 22, have an amazing next year. Hopefully these have been great tools that have helped you. Keep listening and keep sharing the you know the message of the Grow Tribes. If you've got friends that you think could benefit from it, I would love for them to come listen to us. And I would love to see you join us in the Grow Tribe so I can actually talk to you. And I know Harminda would be doing the same thing as well. Lots of stuff to learn and amazing opportunities to experience in the future. Amazing. Have an amazing 2020. Wishing you all the best from myself and Ro and the whole team at Growth Tribes. Thanks for listening to the Growth Tribes podcast in 2019. We shall see you in 2020. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast.